welcome to our apartment investing podcast. We are Cohen Esri Apartment Investors. I have Lee Harris, our president and CEO, and Ryan Huffman, our chief operating officer. My name is Lydia Kincaid, and I'm managing director for our market rate funds. Today, being June 17th, 2022, we're going to talk about what's going on right now in the market. There's a lot of volatility. Even just this week, the Fed raised their target key rate by 75 basis points. Um, so there's a lot going on, a lot in motion. Um, Lee, maybe you could give us a lay of the land and we'll go from there and talk about what we're seeing in the apartment side of things. Yeah, the, the big picture overview is that uh, we're seeing a lot less deal flow right now. Uh, earlier this year, uh, it had gotten back up to pre-COVID levels in terms of, of the number of properties for sale. And uh, then when COVID hit, it dropped right off a cliff. And we saw no deals for months. Uh, then it picked up again. Uh, we're kind of getting close to that uh, that COVID cliff like we saw before. And why is that? It's mainly because nobody knows what the Fed's gonna do and what that trickle effect will have on long-term interest rates. We're already seeing uh, increases in perm loan rates. We're seeing uh, increases in bridge financing uh, lending rates. Uh, and <clears throat> Everybody's kind of taking a step back a little bit here, trying to assess what does this mean uh, for an acquisition right now? What does it mean for a disposition right now? Obviously, fewer buyers. I think Ryan can uh, speak to this more specifically, but uh, we have a property that uh, we're selling right now. Uh, fortunately, it's uh, with a, a strong buyer, but uh, the first crack at this, I think we had 10 offers uh, several weeks ago, that was way down from a, another property in that same market we had sold uh, last year. We had many more offers than that. This is probably a little bit more desirable property. Uh, and then with the volatility in, in, the, in the marketplace, uh, the buyer that had we had approved and we were negotiating with for a contract uh, basically blew up the deal. They had a an issue with rates and they had an issue with a sale they were doing a 1031 with. And uh, so now we've gone back to the, the marketplace and, and we're working with the, another one of the buyers. This one's probably a, a stronger buyer uh, in terms of the ability to actually close and certainty of close. Uh, so we've felt it on that side. We're also feeling it on the buy side where uh, we're, we're just not seeing near the amount of deal flow uh, that we were. H however, there probably is the beginning of some cap rate expansion. So if it was a 3% cap rate before, that's not 3% anymore. The whisper prices that we're hearing from brokers don't mean a thing right now. Uh, and so just generally, it's a volatile time. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later in this episode, but there's a huge opportunity here. Ryan, you might uh, put a little bit more flavor on this with, with more specifics, if you would. Yeah, I think, you know, what's happening, what's really fascinating about this, this part of the cycle for me, Lee, is frankly, the buy side is reacting way faster than the sell side is. And 
if you look back at cycles, that happens all the time, right? The buyers tend to react much quicker to, to changing market conditions than sellers. And that's because they got their BOVs, you know, 60 days ago. And let's look back 60 days ago, things were drastically different than they even are today because of the speed the Fed is moving to try and tamp down this inflation risk. To give everybody some flavor of, of this, we're five for five. And when I say five for five, we've talked to five brokers and no less than six deals have fallen completely out of contract this week alone. Um, and what's happening is people are reacting to the capital pricing. So deals are having to be repriced because debt proceeds are coming in lower than anticipated because of rate jumps. And so, you know, really the, the market on the, on the sell side is not wanting to sell because they're getting lower pricing than they would have gotten 60 days ago, where the buy side has already reacted. So the result of that is likely going to be lower volume for the rest of the year as everybody kind of steps back and waits till this all shakes out with what, where the Fed is going with overall rates. And I think we've gotten used to this low rate environment, right? And Lee, you can opine back in the 80s where we had loans at 20%. So doubt will go that far this at this point, but we've had so many, maybe a decade here of 0% interest rates, so low rates on mortgages. And that's a cheap cost of capital that now has to be repriced into the transaction. So, you know, we're experiencing it on, on our side, on the sell side. Luckily, we're still selling for way more than what we thought, just not what we thought we were going to get 60 days ago. Um, so on the buy side, we're looking at it a little more cautiously as well for what deals are going to flow out. Um, I still think you're going to have a, this is still a great run for multifamily, which we'll talk about in a bit, but there's going to be a period here of I'm going to forecast somewhere between now and the end of the year where you're going to see a very, very light volume as people try to assess where they are right now and where they're going to go. Yeah. And, and I think you said that uh, you had heard this week that there may be some institutional buyers that have put their pencils down for the summer. Uh, yep. And uh, you know, there's, there's so much capital out there, but uh, again, the volatility is such that a lot of the, of the buy side is saying, we just need to let this shake out a bit. That is where we see real opportunity too, because if we have some of the big buyers that were, were driving valuations higher, sitting on the sidelines, uh, there may be some, even though the transaction volume is going to be considerably lighter, there may be certain situations where a seller has to sell. They have a loan uh, that's maturing uh, immediately and uh, they, 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 they want to get out. Uh, or there may be a situation where a fund is at the end of its life and it has to wind up. And so there may be certain assets that are just under such pressure to be sold that they come on the market anyway. And obviously we're looking for those kind of opportunities. So, And I'll add to that, you know, I did say that, but here's another little tidbit. Just this morning, the same broker we talked to in Atlanta that sold us one of our deals that had told us they had deals fall out just this week, their top four or five buyers, their go-to buyers that have bought volume over the last 10 years, all of them have said they're putting their pencil down. For how long? We don't know. Yeah. Um, and so I do think there's a lot of there's a lot of capital now that's saying, wait a minute, this is getting a bit volatile. We need to really step back and, and wait for a second to see what's going to happen here. And we're yeah, we're I, and I think I think the the, the message we want to convey is we are not putting our pencils down. We have, we have dry powder. We see this as an opportunity. And, and 
here's the, the, the underlying fundamentals are so strong. I mean, the demographics uh, we've talked about over and over and over haven't changed. There is such demand for apartments, uh, unlike other cycles and other potential recessions, uh, we, we aren't seeing a number of the danger signs that we've seen in past cycles. Uh, a recession, if, if it happens, if we're already in one, we don't know. But where there's not an unemployment, I mean, employment is uh, a big factor generally in recessions. Yes, there are going to be layoffs. There are some layoffs, especially in the tech sector. A number of companies, I think, are, are doing layoffs on some level on a preventive basis, uh, just anticipating the worst, uh, worst kind of situation. But uh, there are still, what, 10, 12 million, 12, 10 or 12 million job openings available in this country, and, and labor is still in short supply. So uh, I've never seen a recession like the one we may be in where employment isn't a major factor. Uh, and as a result, yeah, there may be some doubling up in apartments. There, there may be some some younger folks that move back home to, to mom and dad, but I don't see that the demographics are going to be materially impacted here. And as a result, uh, our focus going forward and always is, but it's even more pronounced now, our focus is let's pump that net operating income and that cash flow as high as we can possibly get it. If we are seeing cap rates that used to be 3%, now 4% or 5%, we already modeled those higher capitalization rates uh, when we created our performance in the portfolio that we currently own. Uh, and so we may still be in a position to beat our projections if uh, we can beat the, uh, the NOI numbers that, uh, that we were anticipating. And with the kind of rent growth we've been seeing the last couple of years, that's very, very doable. So just so many different opportunities and so many reasons to be optimistic here. And I agree with you, Lee, and I would throw in one more thing that I, that I think really bodes well for apartments. I really think if you look at it, apartments and industrial are probably fairly well insulated to what's happening. And, and here's a good example. We found out this week that new single family home construction permits contracted 14.4%. And if you combine that with the cost of borrowing for the individual going up in a fairly dramatic way with what the Fed's moves are, that bodes really well for apartments because people still need a place to live. So still seeing that continued rent growth, I think with the jobs situation the way it is, with the labor situation the way it is, wages growing, I think we've got a pretty good story here on the apartment side. I don't know how you feel about that particular data point, but it really does feel pretty good on our side, at least for right now. Well, no well, question. Our, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, our, our occupancy, Ryan, is still, what, over 95% across the portfolio. Is that is that still true this week? I mean, maybe it's That's higher, 96, 96 and a half. Yeah. Um, and it continues to increase, which is, you know, that's a great data point to look at. Well, I think, I think the, the, the single family home market in the past has been a major competitor of apartment, uh, the apartment lifestyle. It's become much less so in recent years because home prices have gotten uh, stratospheric is probably the word for it. And, it's very difficult to, to find a starter home 
if, if that term's even uh, still operative, but it's very difficult to find a, a moderately priced home for the entry market, uh, somebody living in an apartment complex that wants to buy a home. And as we've said before, they have student debt and credit issues. They haven't been able to save for the down payment. The uh, new construction, as Ryan pointed out, has dropped considerably. Uh, so that competitive sector is not so competitive anymore. And uh, meanwhile, household formations have, uh, have continued, especially post-COVID, uh, household formations has been in, on a major upswing. So the demand side of the equation is as strong as it ever was. And I don't see that changing materially uh, you know, as we're trying to negotiate our way through this rocky period from an, an economic standpoint uh, as a country. And Ryan, from an operations point of view, what sort of things maybe is your team um, being proactive about? Are, are we expecting that maybe people would slow down in rental payments? Are we expecting greater turnover or less turnover? Um, if you had to opine on that, what's your crystal ball showing you in you know market conditions like this? I mean, I don't see, we don't see an uptick tick in delinquency right now. So, and, I, and, and until you reach a situation where jobs are truly contracting, mm -hmm. and that's really what's Lee touched on it. And what's fascinating is you've never seen a cycle where we've had unemployment as low as it is. And so many jobs open. Are there going to be layoffs? Yeah, but people are going to, companies are going to start with open positions and just cutting those back. Well, we've got to burn through what Lee, 12 million of those before we get to actual layoffs. You are going to see some in the tech sector where it's really heavy, but there's still a lot of companies that'll likely just cut open positions as opposed to cutting cutting teams. So the forecasts are that unemployment, if it grows, is going to grow very, very slowly during this period. So I don't think you're going to see a, 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 an uptick in delinquency. I actually think we're going to see lower turnover is what I currently anticipate. Um, now we're still in a position nationally of pushing rent levels um, because that's where we are. But I think with the new home construction going down um, and the cost of capital for the individual to buy a home, someone may say, I'm going to wait another year uh, or maybe I'm going to wait another two years before I buy. Because again, kind of like what we're seeing on the buy side for apartments, you're seeing the same thing on the home side. Um, I've talked to many of my friends who may have thought about relocating or moving and some did and said, you know what, we're going to rent for a year and just kind of see where this shakes out. And I think you're going to see that across the board. So I'm, we're forecasting lower turnover, um, and, and frankly, better fundamentals for the overall portfolio, um, than maybe what we were seeing before. Mm -hmm. Well, and Lydia, I'd like to touch on new construction as well for apartments. Um, <clears throat> I think what may happen here, uh, there are projects that have been on the drawing board and in some phase of development for quite some time. And those deals are pregnant enough that uh, it's kind of hard if you've got a million dollars of, of uh, pre-development costs, it's hard to put your pencil down. You just figure out how to value engineer the project to the point that these increased interest rates, uh, you figure out a way to make it work. I do think that it may slow down a little bit in terms of new projects that are, are being contemplated, but they aren't heavily into pre-development costs yet. Uh, and so that's on the market rate side. I would also, uh, we, as people probably know, we have a, a development unit that uh, focuses principally on affordable housing and workforce housing 
and we're still going great guns. I think we have 18 projects that are under construction or in some phase of, of the development uh, process. Uh, it's about 2,700 units. Uh, yes, interest rates are causing us some consternation, but fortunately in the affordable sector, we may stack up seven or eight different sources of funds and are able to uh, overcome some of this friction that we're seeing with higher interest rates through certain other sourcing of, of funds that is available to us. As a result, I don't see that affordable housing development is going to slow down a whole lot. I mean, there may be a little slowdown simply to figure out, okay, how do we make this deal work that was on track? And uh, But there's still such a demand. I think we're at least 6 million housing units short of supply in the affordable sector. I do think market rate may slow a bit though until uh, it's, uh, we figure out how to, how to react to uh, these higher interest rates. But Lee, that's a good point. That's another opportunity for value add. I mean, you, if there's a slowdown in that new construction, again, the demand drivers for housing are huge. So if you happen to be somebody looking for value add like we are in the value add space, that could be a big up for the next five years. If you see a slowdown of permitting on new construction, gives you more runway on the value add side if you're purchasing right. That's my- the, the one thing that's, that's cautionary here, I think, is uh, when, when people decide to jump back in the game, uh, they're going to have to figure out, and I would say people, I'm talking about buyers of, of, of existing product. Uh, but when, when they're jumping back in, there may be some rationalization along the way that, okay, rent growth is so strong that uh, we'll, we'll take a hit in the first year or two, but we'll make it up with, with future rent increases and we'll be just fine overall. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, you got to get a loan uh, that allows you to do that, which there may be some bridge products that make that possible. Managing risk you know, we won't take risk, we manage risk. And that's one we're going to have to scratch our heads about to figure out how we manage that. Uh, there may be some some developers or, or buyers out there that are, are more inclined once they pick their pencil back up to say, okay, fine, we'll stretch because we just know the next five years is going to be strong enough that we'll work our way out of this, this interest rate conundrum. Uh, that's there's a lot of risk there that uh, we have to figure out how to manage if we do that. Lee, I have a question I've been contemplating. You know, we talked a lot on this podcast. I think it was either last episode or two episodes ago about the undisciplined that was going on in our marketplace. Is it? Do you think this is a natural way of kind of forcing discipline back into the system a little bit? It I mean, should actually an outcome that you think we're going to see. Based on historical cycles. Yeah, I, it certainly should be, and. <clears throat> I think where you get that kind of forced reaction is when you have certain developers going broke. I mean, that's what I've seen in past cycles is uh, you hit a, a rough patch and the guys that are thinly capitalized or that have stretched too much, they just go down for the count and, and they never pop back up. Will that happen here? I don't know that that's the threat. Um, it could be if if things really turn for the worse in a in a really serious way. In other words, if interest rates shot up to ten percent, uh, and if you're on a variable rate uh, bridge or even a perm, that um, if you somehow did a perm uh, loan with some sort of variability on the rate, and 
like we did back in 1979 to 1981, and saw our rates go up to 21%, uh, that could really put some guys down for the count. I don't know that that's that's going to happen here. I I don't sense that that's going to happen. Good point. Mm-hmm. Lee, is there anything else you'd like to add just about past cycles that you've been through? Um, any recommendations for investors or our listeners who might be tuning in? Well, I think there's there's uh, a lot of cash sitting uh, on the sidelines, and if you have confidence in an operator that has performed well in the past and has been around a long time. And, you know, I'm kind of describing us. Uh, if that's not a thinly veiled commercial, I don't know what is. Uh, but uh, you know, make sure you're investing with somebody you trust, somebody that has the experience, somebody that's been through the wars and the cycles and uh, has a strategy and has discipline. Ryan used the term undisciplined. Mm-hmm. We're very disciplined and we are not under the kind of pressure that a lot of sponsors are that you have to get cash out the door or else you're going to have to give it back to the investor and the investor is going to be mad about that. We don't have that kind of situation. We're not putting ourselves into that kind of pressure. And uh, so I think that uh, I would say don't be afraid right now. I mean, when, when things get weird like they are, man, that's when the opportunities abound. And uh, we are not afraid in the least. Uh, we are creative. We will figure out how to how to get some deals done, and uh, you know, hopefully, these the, this this valuation reset uh, works in our favor. If we're buying a at a four and a half or five percent cap rate instead of a three and a half cap rate, uh, and we can operate the properties on a on a strong basis like we have been able to. Uh, we're going to have some great returns. That's great, Lee. I think that's that's a great summary and completion of our time today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk with you next time. (laughs) 